you've been with us, if you haven't been with us, I just want to bring you in on the loop on what we got going on here as a church. We're going through the book of Philippians verse by verse. And I've loved this. Um, it, it's been good. It's been challenging. If you go through the Bible verse by verse, then you don't get to skip anything. Amen. You got to preach the good, the bad, and the ugly. So what I plan to do is read this passage. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to preach. Does that sound all right? All right, let's do it. It says this, Philippians 2. This is Paul. He's writing to a church that he's helped start, but he's in a prison cell, and he's going to have a member of the church bring it back to the people, and this is part of what the letter says. Do everything. Say everything. everything. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing uh, but even if I am poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. And in the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We're so grateful to be in your house this morning, to be with like-minded believers. Uh, I pray specifically that your Holy Spirit would allow for an anointing uh, that lets powerful and effective ministry take place in this room. Holy Spirit, till the soil of our hearts, help it be fertile ground to receive the seed of your word. Let it take root in our hearts and grow to produce fruit in our lives. We want to be transformed into the image of your son, Jesus. And so do that. Um, bless this time together. And I pray this church would continue to foster kids in Jesus' name. Amen. Many of y'all might know Pastor Dylan. He pastors uh, the well here in Marshfield. He's been my friend for a long time before we ever even ended up pastoring uh, similar sized churches in the same town. He dated my sister back in the day and we kind of became friends like that. And honestly, uh, when, I was, when I first met Dylan, I was still kind of in my heathen stage. So he's seen me in the good, bad, and ugly parts of my life and he's loved me through it. Praise God for Pastor Dylan. And so as I was studying and preparing preparing and preaching this week, uh, I thought about this time that me and him decided to go work out together in town at, over here at CFC. And so if you know Pastor Dylan, he's in good shape. Uh, he works out consistently. And so there's been a few times over the years that we've just taken time to train with one another. And on this particular day, at this particular point in time, I liked to go to the gym and take my time. I like to move machine to machine. I'll take my time, do a little curls, maybe come over here, do some more curls, you know what I'm saying? Whatever, whatever was on the agenda for that day. I wanted to be patient. I wanted to enjoy my time at the gym, feel the blood come into my muscles, make sure nobody's looking, glance in the mirror quick, get back to work. You do it too. You do it too. And so... Pastor Dylan's methods, complete opposite, complete opposite. This dude gets into the gym and he just turns into a squirrel of some sort. And for the next 45 minutes, this dude does not stop moving. That's his program. He's, he, he's moving all over the gym. And so on this particular day, uh, I'm going to come work out with Pastor Dylan at the gym. He has his program on his phone that he's going to do. And uh, so, you know, he's in, in good cardio shape and has the ability to do this. And so I come into the gym, not in that kind of shape, but my competitiveness, competitiveness tells me that I am. And so 
I, I walk in, I figure we shake hands and greet each other, but I come in and he's like, oh, good, you're here. Three, two, one, go. High knees, let's go. And, and, and right from the moment we start, it's on, all right? And it's for the next 30 minutes, I follow this maniac around the gym and I can't breathe. And I, I'm never doing this again. That's all, that's all I'm thinking. And we, we get to the end of the workout and he goes, all right, time for burpees. Now, I don't know if you know what a burpee is, but just considering this guy is a Nazarene pastor, I don't know why he'd partake in something so demonic. I just don't understand. <laughs> I really don't. I just, so, so the, he goes, and we still, he still makes fun of me about this literally till this day. Um, he goes, uh, all, right, all right, we got burpees and I'm already exhausted. Burpee, you gotta get your whole body, chest to the ground, you gotta stand back up, and then you gotta jump and clap over your head, okay? And so these jeans don't stretch that much. I'm, I'm not doing it right now, but I think I explained it well enough. And so, and so anybody else, any, any volunteers any, any to demonstrate? That's okay. He goes, all right, time for burpees. And I look at him and I got to break character. The competitiveness has ran out. I'm over it. I look at him and I go, burpees? And he just busts out laughing in the gym. And still to this day, he will, uh, he'll be like, burpees? So, you know why I responded like that? Because sometimes it just satisfies my flesh to grumble. Sometimes I just want to complain. I just want to grumble. I just, you know, in, 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 in life sometimes when we, especially in moments of difficulty, disappointment, disagreement, it's just easier to complain. Amen? Can everybody just be honest in the room and say amen? I agree. Sometimes it's just easier to complain. And here's what I know to be true. As we make efforts to follow Jesus, to live obedient to his will, we will have to endure difficulty, disappointment, and disagreement with others, and maybe even with God in certain seasons. Our flesh, there are going to be times, I promise, as we're following Jesus, as we're trying to remain obedient to the way in which he's called, empowered, and equipped us to live, there are going to be times where in our flesh, we just want to complain. Like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to love my enemies. I don't want to be generous. I don't want to give 10%. I, I don't want to, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to have a good attitude. Could be hard. <coughs> Sorry. <clears throat> but the spirit of God has instructed all of us through Paul's hand in Philippians 2.14 to do everything, say everything, not just some things, to do everything without grumbling and arguing. For, for a culture where our common language is complaining, this is an in-season word for us. This has been convicting me while I've been putting it together all week. And I know I say that every week, but it's just the truth. And so I want to encourage y'all that like, as I'm exhorting you to stop complaining and grumbling and, and, and the arguing side as well, I think the complaining might be easier than the arguing, at least maybe for some of us, but I'm growing with you. This is something I got to grow in myself um, because to do some things without grumbling or arguing, even that can be difficult, but to do everything without it can seem impossible. And so I know this, although none of us may get it perfect, all of us can grow in our efforts to kill our complaints. 
That's true, right? All of us can grow. So maybe you don't complain that much. Maybe you don't complain as much as me, but it ain't about doing more or less than the person next to you. It's about what is Holy Spirit cultivating in me? What's the calling on my life as an individual? And so I think it's important that we remind ourselves also, who is Paul talking to? Who is he writing this to? He's writing to a church where if they proclaim and profess their faith, if they live out their Christian faith, it's like that they'll experience persecution. They'll experience cultural rejection or social rejection. Philippi is not an easy place to be a Christian. And so he's writing, as you do the work of the kingdom, don't grumble and don't complain. How much more for us who will experience very little discrimination and hardship because of our faith in Webster County, Missouri, y'all? Amen. I also want us to remember what Paul had stated um, in verses before. I preached on this a couple of weeks ago about how we're supposed to live out, walk out our faith, work out our faith with fear and trembling. And, and, and so what he, what he meant by that is taking our holiness seriously. And now he's making it practical for us as he writes this. Part of the way we can work out our salvation with fear and trembling is by not grumbling and arguing about the things we're called, equipped, anointed, and empowered to do related to the kingdom and really everything else. So I, I want to go on. I, I want to read, uh, work our way into verse 15 here. So remember, verse 14 starts, Philippians 2.14, do everything without grumbling and arguing. Why? Verse 15 says, so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you will shine like stars. So I wanna take some time this morning talking about the dangers of our grumbling and our arguing. But first and foremost, Paul states so clearly in verse 15 that the primary reason outside of because God said so, the primary reason for which we need to resist our are grumbling, arguing, and complaining is because if we just take part in it, then Christians lose their distinctiveness in the culture. Jesus talked about being salty in the culture. If we just complain, then we become woven into the fabric of our culture, but God's called us to be set apart. God's called us to be holy. When we just take part in the grumbling and complaining, we're just seamed in to the fabric of culture. We blame right in. God's called his people to be distinct. Amen? So I just want to reread just so we get it. We need to do this in verse 15 so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation. It's culture perverted. Is culture crooked? Yes. Among whom you shine like stars in the world. There's a calling on us to live around, obedient to the way that Holy Spirit is empowering us. Jesus has instructed us as we live him, even without words. And we're still called to proclaim the gospel. I'm not saying we don't got to talk about it, but I'm saying even without words, as we live obedient to what God's put in our heart to do, our lives will testify to the goodness of God. I thought that was better than two amens, but that's fine. We'll just, we'll just keep going. We know that God's called us to live set apart, live holy, 
And as we do, our lives are gonna testify to his goodness. My plan is to revisit verse 15 with a bit more detail. But first, I I just wanted to further discuss verse 14 because I, I, I think we need to spend some time in this. It says, do everything, say everything, without grumbling and arguing. Does anyone remember how back in the book of Exodus, uh, there's a guy named Moses, God calls him, equips him to lead the people out of slavery. So you have the Israelites, they're God's set apart people, also known as the Jews. Moses goes back, they've been in slavery for 400 years. If you know anything about the culture of Egypt, like they were slaves in Egypt. So so there's forced labor that's absolutely brutal. The Pharaoh's getting uh, insecure and and, uh, nervous about how they're being fruitful and multiplying. And he's starting to realize that the Jews are gonna outnumber them if they continue to multiply the way that they are. So he implements a decree for innocent children to be killed. It's, can you imagine having this baby that that you've believed for, that you've uh, prayed for, that that you're caring for, that your body is cultivated and grown in the minute that it's released from the womb. You have, to, you have to give it up for it to be murdered and killed. This is not a good place. You talk about earthly plight. The Jews are suffering in this Egyptian slavery, and it's for 400 years. Finally, Moses, his savior, comes. God, through Moses, delivers the people out of their slavery. They get to the other side of the Red Sea. They, they hit the gritty. You know what I'm saying? They just, they just, start, they just start worshiping praising God. He he delivered us. He rescued us. Once a year, we're going to have a, we're going to do the Passover. We're going to remember this every year because this is so amazing. This is the, the best thing. God is good. God's a savior. God's a deliverer. And it's not long that they're walking through the wilderness. Moses gets 12 spies. Part of the reason God delivered the people, the Israelites, is because there was a promise attached that I'm going to provide you a place of rest. I'm going to give to you a land flowing with milk and honey. I think their expectation was that the land was just going to be sitting there ready and waiting. But to their surprise, the land that God's promised is inhabited. There's people there. And and so they send in 12 spies. The Israelites, they send in 12 spies. They scout out the land. The fruit's big and juicy, but there's giants. So they come back, 10 of the spies are like, ain't no way we're going. Ain't, ain't no way. There's giants, the, the lands, their cities are fortified. They, they'll kill us. We're like grasshoppers in their eyes. That's what they say. But there's two spies, Caleb and Joshua, who are like, God said he's going to give us the land. So let's roll. Let's, let's go take the land. But, but again, there's this 10 who have said, no, there's, there's giants. And so there's fear that's taking place in the camp. And so uh, I just wanted to read this verse here give you that set up and, and remember, we got, we got to remember how gruesome, how awful, how terrible their slavery was in Egypt, right? And, and now how God's promised this place. So they come back and it says this, uh, Numbers 14, starting in verse one. Then the whole community broke into loud cries and people wept that night upon the reports of the spies that there's giants, okay? All the Israelites complained. Everyone say complained. 
all the Israelites complained about Moses and Aaron. The whole community told them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt or if we had died in the wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us into this land to die by the sword? They start complaining. He he delivered us. You guys told us there was going to be milk and honey. There's only giants. What are you you talking about? How How can we do this? They're thinking there's complaining that's taking place. Wouldn't it be better for us to just go back to Egypt? Complaining, grumbling. So they said to one another, these are the people in the camp. Let's appoint a leader and go back to Egypt. Complaining can catalyze a whole community to move away from something that God's called them to. And if you read a couple verses down, you'll see that because of their grumbling and their complaining, God actually keeps them from entering the land and they perish in the wilderness. Proverbs 17, 22 says this, a happy heart is good medicine. A joyful mind causes healing. I'm reading out of the Amplified, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. I want to read it again. A happy heart is good medicine. A joyful mind causes healing, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. I read these verses and I think if if my happy heart and joyful mind causes healing and catalyzes some of those things, to, to exist day to day, protecting those things, cultivating those things, nurturing those things, uh, asking God and trusting the spirit to provide those things as I protect my heart and mind intentionally. Uh, you know, I, I have to ask the question, will I more effectively minister to the environments that I'm placed in? Will, will, I, will I carry medicine and healing into my marriage? Well, I carry medicine and healing into my relationships and into my ministry in the same way if I'm not intentional to guard my mind if I'm not intentional to guard my thoughts, my heart, and my words, the proverb tells us a broken spirit dries up bones. So as I voice my complaints, as I voice my discontentments, as I voice my uh, disagreements, there's a way that we can have civil conversations about our disagreements. I'm not saying that. You know what I mean. In, in, this, in this negative manner, in an inappropriate manner, as I complain, as I grumble, as I give life to those things, I can't help but wonder in the same way a broken spirit dries up bones, does the consistency of my discouraging words, listen, dehydrate my godly desires. Does it dry them up? Because because Israelites were excited to get into that promised land, right? And and, and so uh, what, what I just wonder is, does the consistency of my discouraging words dehydrate my godly desires and increase my propensity for disobedience? Where if I just complain, Sin leads to more sin. And more sin leads to more sin. Something to chew on. Chew or not, Paul is adamant that do everything, everything without grumbling. Do everything. What is everything? When the work ain't worth the money, do it without grumbling. When holiness has you feeling left out, do it without grumbling. Serving your spouse, do it without grumbling. When I notice Jesus' words, when he's specifically talking about loving other people, he says, listen, even pagans love people that love them. That ain't hard. Yeah, 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 even even friends are good to their friends who are good to them. 
You know what kingdom living looks like? Doing it when it's hard. Doing it when you don't feel like it. Loving your enemies, right? And, and in that same vein, it's easy to not argue and grumble in the honeymoon phase when things are going well. But a mark of spiritual maturity is a lack of grumbling and arguing when disagreement comes, when discontentment comes, when discouragement comes. Faithfulness in good times and in bad times is the soil for spiritual maturity to grow. So whether it's work or your wife or the place you worship at, whatever it is, operate in such a way that you're doing it without grumbling and arguing. As we do, Paul says this will be the result. Going into verse 15. Do this so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. We can peer out into our culture today. <clears throat> and it's, you don't have to look long to see the confusion that exists in our culture and the distortion that's even continuing to grow in our culture. People are walking into schools and they're killing innocent children. Pornography is one of the biggest businesses in entertainment to this day. It's hard to know what political government officials and leaders can be trusted. Racism is still a very real epidemic in our culture. There's people who are passionate about seeing babies aborted even when they're at full term. Evil, confusion, corruption, perversion is permeating our culture in every sense. It's around us every day. We know that. So as we recognize that, all the more reason to carry ourselves in a way that is going to provide distinction between us and the world, which we will only do through obeying and living out God's truth. And we know, based on his word, his Holy Spirit is going to give us a growing desire and capacity to do so. As we come into agreement with the fact that we're going to live for him and we're going to live obedient as we make every human effort, Holy Spirit is going to give us a growing will and a growing ability to live true to God's word. Amen? Remember, we, we, we talked about the will and the capacity to work a couple weeks ago. And so... Um, it's important to understand that it's God's grace at work within us. It's his grace that allows us to experience any increase. And it's important that we understand that it's God who allows us to grow in our will to be obedient to his word and the ability to work and to do his word. It's his grace that's making way for us to do that. We have to come into agreement with that. We have to believe that it's God who's providing the nourishment for those things to happen because that's the only way that we can keep verse 16 in its appropriate context. See, sometimes what we see happen with Christians is God graces them with spiritual strength, with spiritual growth. They grow in their holiness. They grow in their obedience. And instead of shining in lights in a dark culture to glorify God and to testify to his goodness and to testify of his grace and his nature and his transforming power that's at work within you, very quickly as we get free from some things and we don't struggle like we used to, we can can peer back into situations, circumstances, and people who do, and now we're the judge. It very quickly can become about shining as bright lights in a dark culture to be seen, to feel more valued, to appear more spiritual and more significant than the people around you. 
And in that case, we don't become any better than the Pharisees that we see in the New Testament, right? So it's important that when we read verse 16, we don't read it as Paul saying, so then I can boast about myself on the day of the Lord about how I did all these great things as Paul, uh, uh, you know, Paul boasting about his own performance because that would entirely contradict what, what Paul says when he says, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Honestly, a better way to translate what Paul is, is saying at this point in his letter to the Philippians is like this, that in the day of Christ, I will have reason to rejoice greatly because I did not run my race in vain nor labor without result. So I can rejoice about what Christ has done in and through me, not about who I am and what I can do, okay? I'm not saying there's no grind to spiritual growth. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't have to tell us, don't complain. It's just that as we come into agreement with those things and make effort to live those things out, God gives us grace to be effective in those things. Does that make sense? But, but I would say, so, so I would say, spiritual growth takes grind, but God gives you grace for the grind. Does that make sense? All right, write it down. I think that's good. It allows us to grow strong in spirit. John 15 tells us, apart from him, we can't bear any fruit. So if you're bearing fruit in your life, praise God, it's the grace of God on your life, okay? In all seasons, in all circumstances, in all successes, in all effectiveness, to God be the glory that he would grace us to do so, okay? So I, I wanna address these final two verses, landing the plane here, moving into Philippians 2.17. Everybody still with me? This is the Bible, okay? Uh, verse 17, it says this. Uh, before I move on, I do want to quickly say, Pastor Jesse, he's going to meet with, we got people getting baptized today. Come on, that's good news, amen? Do I need to say it again? We got people getting baptized today. All right. Pastor Jesse, would you stand to your feet? If you're getting baptized in first service, you can meet Pastor Jesse at our welcome table uh, out in the lobby. He'll get you your towel and your t-shirt and we'll get you under that water after service. We're excited about that. Philippians 2.17 says this. Paul writing, he's in a prison cell, he's chained up. He's telling them, don't, don't grumble and argue about anything. Just serve the Lord and be glad about it. And as you do, you're going to be, you're going to shine in your culture. You're going to be set apart. And then he writes in Philippians 2.17. But even if I'm poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. In biblical antiquity, antiquity there were uh, particular sacrifices that would be made that included the pouring out of wine while the sacrifice was taking place. And Paul's using this illustration as he, as he makes reference to his own life and his own ministry as he awaits potential, uh, a potential death sentence. He's sitting in a prison cell. Paul is, Paul is saying layman's terms, listen guys, even if I die, even if they kill me for this kingdom work, I can rejoice with all of you because God's used the kingdom work uh, that, that took place in Philippi, starting that church. What God did through me, he's used that to catalyze and encourage more kingdom work to take place. You guys have taken the gospel further. I brought it, maybe I lit the flame, but now you guys are spreading it. Now you guys are living it out. So even if I die, praise God because he's used the work. 
And so it's easy for us to read these passages quickly and not pause to just think about Paul's perspective because our perspective is, God, I've given a ton. I've served a ton. Why am I in this prison cell? That's us. Yeah? yeah? yeah. Just me? God, God I've, I've done it all. I'm, I'm loving my enemies. I've been praying for people. I've had the conversations. I, call, I made the phone calls. I answered back the Facebook messages. I got, a, And I'm still struggling. You, you said those who refresh others will be refreshed themselves. I don't feel refreshed. Yet here Paul is awaiting a potential death sentence. Say, listen, even if they kill me, boy, we pulled it off out there in Philippi. Can you believe it? Man, that's, that's a perspective shift for us to, to, to do this Christian thing, this following Jesus thing without complaining, without grumbling. Are, are we willing to inconvenience ourselves for the sake of others in the kingdom and not grumble about it? Yeah, your leader didn't get you a card that said good job with a gift card in it. Yeah, the, the other person got acknowledged on stage and, and you didn't. Yeah, yeah, you didn't get the pat on the back, whatever it is, whatever it is. Paul's like, man, this, this, it's a joy to serve the Lord. Paul's demonstrating living with the mind of Christ by doing it. Now I will say, good leaders will, they'll, they'll encourage and give you the pat on the back and the card with the gift card in. I'm not saying there's a place for that and God instructs leaders too, so. But I'm saying Paul is demonstrating living with the mind of Christ by doing it, so, uh, uh, by doing it. <clears throat> um, and, and so what we see is, we know that Christ gave his life that Christ was poured out for the sins of humanity. And now we see a disciple of Christ, Paul, he's living following that example. And he's saying, so if my life gets poured out, if I can rejoice because it's been good for you in the same way. So, so Christ, Christ demonstrates what he does, his follow, what he calls his followers to do. In the same way, Paul is calling his followers to do what he's demonstrating for them. He isn't going to exhort the people to something he's unwilling to, uh, or, or not making efforts to demonstrate in his own life. And so this is why the last verse of the passage that we're covering today, in verse 17, he says, man, my, my life, you know, might be poured out as an offering, but I'll rejoice through it. And then he says in verse 218, he says, in the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. In essence, listen, I, I don't want you to be sad for me, but I also don't want you to grumble and argue as you work out your salvation. I know it's been hard in Philippi. I, I know the culture rejects you. I know you might be putting yourself in harm's way as you commit yourselves to living out and proclaiming this word of life. But, but this, this is what being a true disciple of Jesus looks like. I know because I'm doing it myself, he's writing. I'm rejoicing through my suffering and my hardship. And even though it would be easy to complain because I understand, I, I understand that I, as I rejoice through these things, as I protect my thoughts, as I protect my words, I will testify to the world around me where true hope comes from. 
where true joy is found. And, and I will testify with my own life who my sustainer is. It's my God. He's telling the, the Philippians, listen, if we're gonna go deeper in this relationship with Jesus, if we're gonna go, if we're gonna grow in our discipleship, we have to learn faithfulness in every season, in the good times and the bad times. Faithfulness through disagreement, faithfulness through discontentment, faithfulness through discouragement and heartache and betrayal, excuse me, and poverty and rejection. The list goes on. We have no excuse but to rejoice in every season. God, I'm going to follow you. God, I'm going to be good. God, God, God I'm going to do what you call me to do. Paul is making efforts through his exhortation to sum, of these th to, to sum these things up in the church of Philippi so that believers in a difficult environment in a where serving the Lord ain't easy. He writes these things to summarize to the church in Philippi so, so they can be equipped to endure all things regardless of what's happening. Rejoice through it. Live set apart. I just want to close today rereading the verse one more time. So he says this, do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. Then I can boast in the day of Christ that I didn't run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrificial service of your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you. And in the same way, you should also be glad and rejoice with me. We have to stop allowing our trials to hinder the testimony our lives are proclaiming. Jesus is gonna work it all out for good. Amen? Our, our job is to live totally surrendered to him and to trust that he's a good father with good plans. So what are you grumbling about? What are you arguing about? And in what ways have you justified not living with a rejoiceful spirit? We gotta ask ourselves, amen?